what a blessing to have just um, had that communion together and just share in the body of Jesus. Well, um, for those of you that uh, slot in a, a bit later, welcome to this webcast. Today we're going to talk about Galatians. And I'm just going to go through Galatians verse by verse. Obviously, I can't go through the whole of Galatians. I don't think I'm even going to get through chapter 1. Um, but I want to just lay a foundation on what was happening in Galatians. And it's important for us to understand that. Now, <clears throat> as a start, I want to just uh, explain to you from what foundation I read the Bible. And how, do, how I interpret Scripture. How I see Scripture and what I read this from. Number one. I read the Bible from the perspective that God is a Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I think that is very important for us to understand, that Elohim, the, the more than one God, the, the family-orientated God, that that God um, has come and created a man to be in His image and in His likeness, and that the promise of God towards man uh, was that he, God can give freely uh, eternal life to every person. And that, uh, you know, something happened because of what Satan has done, that God, man could not trust God to give him eternal life as a free gift. And when a man believed the lie that Satan told telling man that you cannot actually trust God, but that you can have eternal life by your own works and so be like God. When man believed that and walked in distrust towards God, that God could freely give it to him, he, um, God had to come and restore the faith of man so that man can believe upon God and so give God access to the life of man to give man eternal life for free. So, let me summarize that. And, and I think we, um, when, when we read the Bible from that perspective, the perspective of eternal life, the perspective of how the fall actually took place, and all those kind of things, we can see the salvation plan. We can see, um, you know, the context in which a lot of things was written in the Bible. One of the biggest things and, and uh, in the time of Paul and the apostles was the resurrection of Jesus. His death and his resurrection. The greatest thing that happened to them was, or what they saw as the greatest thing ever, was the resurrection. It was not so much the death, but the resurrection and what the resurrection meant uh, to them. Now, what the resurrection meant to them was that God uh, can raise the dead unto immortality out of all sin. And even if you possess all sin and have all death and you believe the Father, that God can raise you from the dead. And that hope gives us a brand new life. Now, we know that the Bible says the law cannot make anything perfect, but a new hope makes everything perfect. So if we want to see perfection come to our lives, if we want to see this perfection that we have received in Christ manifest in our lives, it's not going to come by the works of the law. It's going to come by the new hope, by the new hope that was given to us. Remember what the scripture says. Uh, 
that nothing is made perfect by the law, but by the brand new hope things are made perfect. Now I'm going to read, um, if, I'm, if I recall the verse correctly, it's on Hebrews 7 and 19. It says, For the law made nothing perfect, but the bringing in of a better hope did. So what brings perfection? A better hope. Now, what is this hope that Paul was talking about? What's the context of the hope? The hope is very simple. The hope is immortality. What is immortality? What is eternal life? We have looked at the scripture in the Bible which says this is eternal life, to know Him, the only true God. And we thought that if we have knowledge of what Jesus has done, that is eternal life. No, <laughs> that is not uh, just having knowledge of what Jesus has done. That is not eternal life. When we believe upon the Father and we know, meaning we become intimate and intertwined with what God has done, we possess eternal life. And because we have that eternal life, it shall manifest in something called immortality. So eternal life is not completed or haven't, hasn't had its full function or its goal unless we see immortality manifested in our lives and that is what God has come to give us and that is the foundation from where we're going to read Galatians. We're going to read Galatians from where we cannot be perfected by the flesh, meaning we cannot attain unto immortality by the flesh. We, we can only attain by, by the promise of God and by the resurrection and by the Father and those kind of things and that's what we're going we're gonna to read and I think it's a good thing to just uh, walk through the Bible in a certain way and, and just go and read Galatians and some of these, these uh, passages just verse by verse and, and just see and interpret it um, in a practical way where we can see how the finished work of Jesus was written down by the Apostle Paul. So, in summary for the first part of this message, this is it. God made man to be in his image and his likeness Man didn't trust or believe God and fell to a place where they couldn't trust God for eternal life. Therefore, they wanted to have eternal life by what they do and tried by good conduct to save their own lives unto never dying, living forever. That is, that is the, the foundation of it all. Jesus Christ had to come and His work was to fulfill what God wanted him to do, which is to win the hearts of man to a point where man could have enough reason to believe and trust God that God can give eternal life to man. That is how simple it is. That is the simplicity of the gospel. Now, let us start with Galatians uh, 1. One thing we need to understand about interpreting Scripture is, um, yes, we, we need the Holy Spirit to explain these things to us and to teach it to us. If we have the Holy Spirit, we will easily see and easily understand what is written in the Bible. But let me explain what that means to have the Holy Spirit. Because we have had this thing about the Holy Spirit as we've got this supernatural... Um, goosebump kind of a feeling that comes over us and now we can see meanings in scriptures that that the writer never even intended and now we see the meanings and from there 
hallelujah, the Holy Spirit has revealed something to me. And we get what I call uh, Strong's Concordance Revelations, where we take one word, the word grace, and we take it everywhere and we read it in one sitting and think that that is the letter that was written and we don't understand. A very important thing to understand the Bible is that we have the Holy Spirit, which is the, the, the vital principle that I've just laid down now before we read this. And this is the principle that God gives eternal life as a free gift that He gives holiness as a free gift, and that we don't live by our works. That is, uh, uh, that God is the one that's going to fulfill the promise of eternal life. That is the spirit wherein this letter was written. So if you have that spirit, and you read this, you will understand what it says. It's like a love letter. If I write my wife a love letter, and she, and we are both in love with each other, and I write it, the language I use is written from the spirit of love. Should she have the same spirit of love, she will understand what I'm saying. Um, because what we believe and, and, and the spirit we are in is what we see. Now the spirit of God is called the spirit of life. What is this life talk about? It's all connected to Genesis 1 where, or Genesis 3 where God said, He said, if you eat of this, wrong tree, you will die. And they received, I mean, of that death, the death of having life by your works, they would pass away. And they did die. And now God has come to restore life. And the spirit of life is the spirit that showed forth who and what that spirit is by raising Jesus from the dead. That is what that spirit of life is. So if we are in the spirit of life, the spirit of the resurrection, the spirit or, let me call this way, the teaching of God giving life and immortality to man, we will understand what's written here, for that is the spirit wherein these things were written. That's the basic foundation, the heart of Paul, from where he defended his gospel, from where he explained uh, who and what uh, he who he stands for, what he stands for. Amen. So that's the first thing. The second thing is, we, if we read it in English, you need to understand English. Uh, you know, if you want to... Now that sounds like... <laughs> that sounds like a very foolish thing to say. But if you want to read a letter that's written to you in English, you need to understand English. You need to understand the English language. You need to understand how English work. And, um, you know, you, you need to be able to just, uh, when you do a comprehension test, you know, just, I remember in school we did these comprehension tests. You know, and sometimes I would get 15% for the comprehension test, but that means I haven't comprehended anything. Other times, you know, I would get 80% for the thing, but I would have read everything. The one time I get good marks, the other times I get bad marks, all depending on if I understand and remember what is written. And that is such a basic principle, people, but that is what we need to understand. You need to understand English. If You need to understand that Paul wrote a letter to people. He didn't try to spiritually interpret, the, uh, spiritually write it down. There were real things in real life that he wrote to, and 
How would you understand this letter if you were in one of the churches of Galatia and Paul wrote you this letter? How would you read it? What would you hear? It would be the same way as when we write the letter today. And that is what I mean by just understand the basic setting of this, understand English and just read what is written there. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to start in verse 1. It says, Paul an apostle, not of men, neither by men, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead. Now here Paul comes and he says something um, very important about who he is. Now as we read chapter 1, we're going to find that there was a dispute about the authenticity of the apostleship of Paul. And we can learn a lot from chapter 1 and from Galatians on how to deal with situations when people falsely accuse us. One of the worst things that can happen to us is if we are falsely accused. Many times we would say, well, um, you know, if I was just really guilty, then, you know, it, suffering like this and being persecuted like this, this would have been uh, good. No, no, if you're really guilty and people lie about you, uh, you, if you're really guilty, people cannot lie about you and you are just receiving the just reward for your actions. But persecution is defined in when people are actually saying something falsely about you, lying about you, bringing pain that you don't deserve to you. And we can see how Paul stood in defense of the truth, yet he hadn't, didn't have his life based on what these other people said. I've seen this thing about being falsely accused, destroying people's lives. Where people can just not get over what people have said. But with me, I, I've been accused of being a universalist, for instance. And the beginning was a bit difficult for me to, uh, to, to hear that. But I also knew that they would say things like that about, um, they would also say false things about other preachers and the apostles and now Lord Jesus Christ. And then just forget about it and just continue with your life. So, um, here Paul comes and he, in defense of who he is as an apostle, he says, I am an apostle and I didn't receive my apostleship of men. What he was trying to say is, um, I didn't receive my apostleship from Peter, Paul, James or John or any of those guys. I, I'm not an apostle of any movement. It is, I come, uh, 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 I'm not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Do you just see the foundation from where Paul starts here? He comes, he says, listen man, the message that I have is, I didn't get it from a man. I got it from God, the one who raised Jesus from the dead. Now that is very important in all of Paul's letters. It is the resurrection. And here he even starts, he says, Jesus was raised from the dead. And we're going to see further on that he basically says that this Jesus was raised from the dead appeared to him. And because of this man that was dead, which I believe Paul believed that Jesus' body was stolen. That's just, I don't have proof for that, but um, we, I'm sure we can extrapolate from one of the verses here that Paul had to believe that Jesus, his body was stolen by the disciples and that there was a false message going out. But then here Jesus appeared to him and through the appearing, the whole thing that God raised the man from the dead 
dawned on him and the power of the promise of eternal life. We must also remember that Paul was a Pharisee. The Pharisees believed in the resurrection, that there will be a resurrection. And all of a sudden, here is a resurrection now, after three days. And he knew the man was dead. And that is what Paul is coming with. He's saying, listen, I got this message from God himself. He says, and all the brethren which are with me unto the churches in Galatia, grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father, to him be glory forever and ever. Amen. So what is Paul saying here? First thing he says, I greet you as a man that received the message I've received from God himself. The resurrection of Christ, the fact that Jesus was raised and that this resurrected Jesus spoke to me is the foundation of my gospel. So Paul wasn't sitting with um, all the teachings the apostles received while Jesus was on the earth where he could get mixed up with laws and regulations and rules and all those kind of things. He, his number one revelation wasn't even what Jesus has done when Jesus was on the earth as pertained to signs, wonders and miracles. What he has done, or what Paul saw, what was the greatest thing about the gospel, where his gospel started, is a man was raised from the dead and he appeared to me on the road to Damascus. That's where his gospel starts. That's where his encounter with God starts. And I believe that is why I came and I explained to you guys why we first need to look at God as a God that gives life, that raises the dead. When we, we start our gospel with God that can raise somebody from the dead that carried the sin of all people. The man that was seen by Paul as the greatest sinner was Jesus. Now, I'm not talking about Paul when he says, I'm the chief of all sinners. But think of Paul while he was persecuting the church. He was persecuting followers of Jesus. So to him, they were evil, the Christians. And the leader was this Jesus. So he must have been the worst cult leader in the eyes of Paul, the sinner of all sinners. And all of a sudden, here this man was raised from the dead, conquered death. And he came and he says, Paul, Paul, why are you persecuting me? I know there's something going on in your heart that who I am, that there must be some truth, supernatural, the Holy Spirit is putting it in your heart. Why are you persecuting me? And he sees how Jesus was raised from the dead and fully identifies himself with physical people that Paul persecuted. And Paul got a revelation through that. And the revelation he got through that is, oh my goodness, there's now a harmony between God and man. A man was raised from the dead, and this man raised from the dead calls, the believers calls the people his very body. So I can only conclude that this body that was raised from the dead will also manifest in resurrection power in these people people that I'm persecuting. That's where Paul's gospel started. He started with a revelation of the resurrection. He started with a revelation of immortality and eternal life. And the sad thing that I see is that in the church, we, after many years, even in grace circles, we've, we, we, the resurrection is just something we, hallelujah, Jesus was raised. 
We don't know what it means. We don't know what it implies. But here we can see the Apostle Paul having the spirit of life and writing in the spirit of life, even starting there with the Father that raised Jesus from the dead. He says, grace and peace to you. What is grace? What is grace in the eyes of Paul the Apostle? Now, next Sunday, I think I can touch a little bit more on this, but um, the word grace there talks about the godly influence upon the heart of man that can manifest God's life in man. Now, if you read John 6, and I preached this last Sunday, Jesus said, this is the work of God. This, because they asked Jesus, what shall we do to fulfill all the works of God? He said, this is the work of God. That you believe in Him whom He has sent. And then if you read on in John 6, it says, that you believe that He can give you eternal life. So what is the work of God? What is this influence of Jesus? Jesus came to influence man to the place where man can believe that God can raise the dead to the point where man can actually trust Jesus to give him e immortality or eternal life as a free gift. So the grace of God is the influence of God upon people to the point that people's hearts can trust and believe unto eternal life and then God manifesting that life. In people, So this is what, what Paul is saying. He connects grace definitely to eternal life and I'll prove that to you with other scriptures um, as we go on. It says grace to you and peace. Peace there is the word harmony. Uh, talk, talk, talking even about um, peace between individuals. Harmony. Where there is no indebtedness. Where there's harmony. So he says harmony from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God our Father. So, he said that Jesus has come to influence us, and this message that I give you is from the Father and from Jesus, and he has given his life to deliver us from this present evil world. So, what was he talking about when he was talking about this present evil world? He was talking about the whole world system, including the Judaism that he was accused of. Paul wrote Galatians because he was accused of preaching that you have to be circumcised and believe in Jesus to be a partaker of the Messianic reign. Now Paul comes and he says, listen, <laughs> Jesus gave his life to deliver us from this present evil, the word evil, to be full of labor and hard work, present evil world, this present evil age, this present evil world. It even talks about the whole world system on how the world is governed. You know, so it, it, he came to deliver us from that, that we will not have life by uh, our politics, but that we will have life by Christ. And Christ in us that we will have life not by the Jewish system and joining the law and grace but where we only live by the grace the influence upon our belief that we can actually trust that God can raise the dead hallelujah it says this this 
redemption from the evil world, evil world is according to the will of God and of our Father. Now, what is the will of God? This is the will of God. That not one will be lost that is given to Jesus, but that each one shall be raised up in the last day. Isn't that what John 6 says? That's exactly what John 6 says. So he says, I want to deliver you from the world according to the will of God, which is to raise you from the dead. Now, the moment we as the church start to get the knowledge of the resurrection from the dead, healing of the flesh, I'm not talking about healing from sickness and disease. I'm talking from being healed from the law system that we live in. As we are healed from that, as we, are, as we realize that that is what Jesus came to heal me from, He came to heal me from the law. He came to heal me from the law system and its fruit. He's come to have a divine influence upon my heart where He can have access to my life through my belief to bring forth His life in me. When we can start to believe that, we will find that our minds, our heart, our subconscious mind is so much more open to the fruit of the Spirit, the passion that God gives us. Hallelujah, and we will see the fruit of God manifesting in our life. So here he comes, he says, he's come to deliver us from the law system because it kills us. And he has come to bring us to a place where the will of the Father, which is defined in John 6. Let, let me read that. I hope I can find the verse now. But let me read that. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which sees the Son and believes on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. That is verse 40. John 6 verse 40. So what is the will of God? That, that we can have eternal life, that we can have the life that's possessed by God. In other words, if we received eternal life, which is the life that comes from the Holy Spirit, even if we die, we will never die. Because, and let me explain that. I'm not talking about a spirit going to dwell in heaven. I'm saying I've got eternal life. We've got eternal life in our bodies. And that eternal life, shall, if we possess it, then we have access unto an undying human body in the return of Christ. And this is what this whole thing with the Apostle Paul was all about. It was all about life and death. It was all about having immortality. Now, um, you know, I've seen that, that's, that it's a difficult concept for us to understand. Yet it's very simple. Because we have been so programmed with prosperity, wealth, and whatever gospel. I'm not against prosperity. Thank God for prosperity. If, if it wasn't for financial prosperous people and people that are generous, we couldn't build studios, we couldn't travel the world, we couldn't preach the gospel, I couldn't have the camera I have and the computers and the, everything and, and live, live in this world. I mean, we thank God for generosity, thank God for prosperity, but we have been so conditioned into the end goal of the gospel as having more money, having health and having prosperity and all the things of the world by the power of the resurrection that when I come to you and I say to you and when God comes in the spirit of prophecy and He comes and He tells the world, listen church, listen to me, this is not about money, this is not about your standing in the society, it's not about honoring people because of the greatness of their income or any of those things, it's not about the Typical prosperity, health, wealth, gospel. It's about being raised from the dead and immortality and life. It's not a heaven and hell thing. It is a life or death thing. When God comes with that, it's difficult for us to understand that. 
Now, when I was in the Dutch Reformed Church, I grew up and we had our confession of faith every Sunday. And one of the things we said, we believe in the physical resurrection of Jesus. We said that every time. And I find that for, for, for Dutch Reformed people in South Africa, it's very easy to believe in, in this because... Yes, Jesus was raised from the dead, and we said it every Sunday, and that's what we expect. We also, it says there, we expect the resurrection from the dead of our own bodies. We said it every Sunday. And that is part of, um, you know, just the, I think it's Nassim Creed, which, which explains that. Now, let me not get off the point, um, and I, I need to finish this up. <clears throat> he says, listen to this. He says, to, 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 to whom does God be glory forever and ever. Amen. I marvel that you are so soon removed from Him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. What is He talking about here? He's not saying, I am marveling that you are falling away from God. That's not what Paul says. Paul says, if you can go, you can go read in your Bible, it says, I marvel that you are so soon removed from Him, with a small letter, talking about Himself that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. So what he says is, I have, I have called you into this grace of Christ. What is the grace of Christ? That God influenced man to the point of resurrection. I've called you into this. I've called you into the place where God influences your belief into the message where you can believe that all sin has been conquered, all death has been conquered, that freedom from sin is mine as a free gift and that the resurrection is mine as a free gift and that I can simply trust God to bring forth holiness, righteousness as well as immortality in my body. That is it. That is what he is saying. Very simple. And he says, I am, I am amazed that you are deserting me, the Apostle Paul, so quickly. I've seen that in my own life as well. You know, you would come and you would preach a message to people and they would be so amazed. So, hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. You know, and then... Um, Somebody else comes and it just looks as if they've got a little bit more power and a little bit more authority or a bigger car or a jet or a whatever. And then they come and they say things like, yes, you have to tithe to be blessed or something. And then you kind of, you know, then, well, who's Bertie now? And the very same thing Paul was saying here. Paul loved the people he preached to. And that's how it is supposed to be by preachers. Not to love what the people can give you when you preach to them, but when you, when you can see people get, and this is how I am in my heart as well, when I see people get into this grace message through me, meaning I call them to the grace message, God through me sp speak to people, I see them getting into the gospel of grace. There is a connection in my heart with those people. And Paul comes here and he says, I marvel that you are so soon moved away from me, or him, talking about himself, that called you into this grace of Christ, unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we, but, but though we or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you, than that which has been preached to you, let him be accursed. Let him be accursed. 
So um, when, when we preach the gospel of grace, church, I, and, and um, let me end off with this. When we look at this, we see Paul falsely accused. We see Paul seen as not a true apostle of Jesus. Next Sunday we'll get more into that. We see Paul going through a tough time. He's being lied about. And if you read on, you will see that he, they basically said because Timothy was circumcised, Paul was now preaching the circumcision and he just wanted to please the people in Jerusalem. And, and, and he comes up and he says, no, it is not like that. This is what I believe. I believe what I preach is so true that even if I change my mind, you must call me accursed. For this Jesus appeared to me. I see the power of resurrection. So the stability of Paul's belief was the appearing of Christ to him. This we read in verse 12. He says here, But I certify you, brethren, verse 11, that the gospel which, we pre uh, which was preached of me is after no man. I didn't receive this from a man. I'm not preaching Peter's gospel. I'm not preaching James's gospel. I received this from Jesus. He says, For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now we see that revelation of God gave Paul a revelation. That's not what it's talking about there. That word revelation there means appearing. He said, the revelation I have, or what I know, I received by Jesus that appeared to me. That's why I preached Christ and Him crucified. Bible goes on, Bible says, and Paul preached, he preached in Acts, he says he preaches the resurrection. He came and what was important to Paul was to preach a man that died and that was raised and that that man included us so that we can have a new hope for no law can make anybody perfect, but the hope of eternal life brings forth things in our lives unto holiness and unto righteousness. And that is what Paul is saying there. So Christ appeared to him and uh, he says, for, we, for you have heard of my conversation times past that I was a Jew, that I persecuted people, but then Christ appeared to me. So church, in summary, when people say things falsely, what can we take from this? When people say stuff falsely against you, stand for what is true and don't let your life be falling to pieces because people lied about you. Go and state your case that's it. Just say what, what is the truth for those who want to hear it. And that's it. Second thing we can take here. The resurrection is of utmost importance since the Spirit is called the Spirit of life. And when we read the Bible, it was written and inspired by the Spirit of life. When we have that Spirit of life and can just read simple English, we'll understand what the Bible says. For it is written in the context of giving man immortality in the resurrection of Christ, the eternal hope. Lastly, Paul comes and he says here that what he received, he received by a revelation of Christ. And that he is amazed that people so soon fell away from this message where grace is given freely unto the Lord. So I want to say this to you. Don't fall away quickly from the message of grace, from the message of grace, not as the law system. And I said it yesterday as well. Oh my goodness, I just wish I could just preach another hour now. But we have defined grace inside the parameters of law.
church, even in our grace definitions, our, our grace churches, we define, we, we have this thing that God came to basically to, to do all our work for us and then because he did all the work that the Pharaoh demanded, therefore now we've got freedom from the Pharaoh. No, it doesn't work like that. The word grace here is the influence unto immortality, that which Christ has done so that I can believe I can become immortal. That is it. Let us not fall away from, the, from those that called us into that grace message, the grace of immortality, the grace of I can believe. What did God have to do in order for us to believe He can raise the dead? That we can believe we can have righteousness as a free gift, that we can have eternal life. Very simple. He had to take our sin, put it on a body, allow that sin to have its full work, which is unto death. Jesus obeyed even unto death. And then let that Jesus believe in him, and then let's see what he would do with a man that trusted him and didn't move a finger to bring forth eternal life to himself. And what happened in that Jesus? He was raised from the dead. And when he was raised as a human, he appeared to the Apostle Paul and he said, you are persecuting me when you're persecuting these people and I'm raised from the dead, meaning the resurrection belongs to these people as well. Hallelujah. That is it. Church, that's the message that I have for you today. We can just walk through Galatians and uh, I believe we're going to still see some wonderful gems that comes forth as we dig into this word. Gems that's always been there. I would like to use this opportunity to pray for you right now. There might be people here that just needs prayer or if you've never received Jesus as your Savior, this is an opportunity now to do it. And uh, I would like to ask you to contact any of our web pastors after the service and they will get back to you and uh, just minister to you as pertaining to receiving Jesus as well as healing. But let us pray together. I want you to pray this with me. Pray this word. Say, Lord Jesus Christ, Thank you that I can be here today. Thank you for loving me. You've come to give me eternal life. Your life is mine. I have the hope of immortality. And you love me dearly. Amen. Amen. If you want to receive the Lord as your Savior, all you need to do is just say, Lord, I believe you. You receive Him as the one that saved you. We don't have to be scared of the return of Christ. Nobody's scared of the lifesaver when He pitches up, when we are going to be saved from death. So in this week to come, I will have a message for you every Sunday, or every day <clears throat> until Friday, um, just to encourage you. So uh, just check our uh, Facebook pages and uh, you'll be encouraged. If you've got any questions, please um, email us at info at dynamicministries.com. And if you've enjoyed this message, I want to ask you to just share it with your friends. In doing that, people's lives are deeply impacted. Thank you so much and God bless you.